So we're going to be back in uh, Gospel of John today. Um, <clears throat> so glad that all of you guys are here today. Um, Gospel of John chapter 4 is where we're picking up. Uh, the woman in the well. <laughs> Nobody? No? <laughs> Sounds like a horrible tragedy or a horrible horror movie, right? A <laughs> woman in the well. You guys are just not digging it today. I'm a little bit funnier than that. <laughs> All right, woman at the well. Is that better? On the well? In the well? At the well. Okay. So the title for my sermon today is The Thirsty, right? The Thirsty. Uh, Jesus talks about how we as humans thirst for things. And Jesus says that his water, if we drink of it, you will never thirst again. So we're going to read this scripture. And as we're reading it, I want you to try to put yourself kind of in, in her shoes and, and think, what are the things that I have been thirsting for as we're reading this text? What have I been thirsting for? And should I be thirsting for those things? So we'll read it, the whole passage. We'll pray and then we'll kind of break it down. John 4, uh, verse 1. Jesus knew the Pharisee. The Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat warily uh, beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because the disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for the Jew for the Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, you do not have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I, will, I, I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you are right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet, so tell me. Why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship 
while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerzim, where our ancestors worshipped. Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming indeed, it's here now, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then the disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. This is God's word. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving us your holy written word. Lord, this is your very words that you gave us so that we would know you better, so that we would know what you want for our lives. Lord, so that we would know Jesus, so that we can know the living water, so that we could have eternal life. You gave us your word for all of these reasons, so, so we can know you, Lord. God, thank you so much for it. Lord, I pray that we would, that we would have reverent and open hearts right now, Lord, to listen, truly listen to what your word is teaching here. Lord, I pray that the things that we're thirsting for, that maybe we shouldn't be, Lord, we would, we would repent, we would turn, and we would, we would have that thirst for the living water, God. That we would be filled with the true living water, overflowing even, God. Jesus, we pray that you would um, speak to each person's heart here, and Lord, speak through me as I teach. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we have this very famous story, the woman at the well. And I was, last night, I was, I finished, I wrapped up my sermon, right? Uh, Babylon D did a a post recently and it said, uh, turns out the Holy Spirit speaks loudest 11 uh, p.m. at night, oh, Saturday night. Because <laughs> like, Saturday, that's when most pastors are doing their sermon, 11 p.m. Saturday night. That's true, okay? That's when the Holy Spirit speaks, you know? Uh, and the Holy Spirit at 11 p.m. last night was showing me uh, that this passage is, it's famous for, for a lot of reasons, but it's one of the most, I don't want to say perfect because all of Scripture is perfect, but when you're going to show someone what it means to to truly come to know Jesus and experience something new, this is one of the best passages to go to. Because we have this woman who's seeking for something. Clearly, she's seeking for love. She's, she's seeking for passion. She's seeking to be fulfilled, um, which is what I believe everyone is seeking in our life. Maybe it's not by bouncing around from guy to guy, but we all in some way or another are seeking to be fulfilled. We're seeking to be loved. We're seeking to um, have passion for something. We're, we're seeking for something that makes us feel whole, that makes us feel alive, right? 
And so all people are, are seeking these sort of things. And, and then Jesus comes and he says that there's something that he gives, that when we drink the living water, we never have to thirst again. And more than that, it bubbles up and overflows into our life. Like it's from within. And I, I was just imagining that like uh, Brandon and Natalie, like I guess had a crazy water leak at your house, right? And he said it was, the leak was 16 gallons per minute. And I was like, that's a lot of water. I was trying to visualize like how much water must have been rushing through their, their yard, 16 gallons a minute. And I was thinking, like, how many gallons per minute are, are kind of bubbling up from within us, right? Like, like this is a living water. It's, a, it's supposed to pour out from us. Like, God wants you to experience his, his love and his, his, his grace and even passion, desire, all of it in a way that is not just like, oh, like, I was dry and it kind of made me feel a little bit better, but no, like overflowing more than you know what to do with. Do you guys want that? Because that's what we have in Christ. We have more than we should even know what to do with overflowing and pouring out. And more than that, it's for eternal life as well. I think it's one of the most beautiful passages in all the scripture. And I think it's one um, that we could take really any person who's, who's seeking and you see them seeking in their life, take them to this passage and show like, Hey, we're all seeking, but Jesus is the, is the one who has what you're truly looking for. Amen. I want you guys to pray about somebody that you could read through this passage with just one, one person that you think, man, they've been, they've been seeking and seeking and seeking say, Hey, I just feel like I'm, I want to read this passage with you and, and show you how um, it relates to your life. I would encourage you guys to do that. But let's go ahead and go through it. The first uh, verse here, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. So um, they're in one area doing ministry and it seems that Jesus leaves that area for another because of the threat of the Pharisees. There was probably a physical threat against Jesus because they um, were seeing how much of an influence he was having and they wanted to do something about it. So Jesus leaves that area and he is going to Galilee. I had a map and I forgot to put it in the slides, but basically you have, if you have like uh, Judea here, you have uh, the Samaritan Samaria here, and then you have Galilee above it. And so to get from Judea to Galilee, you had to either walk through Samaria, which Jews did not want to do because they did not want to associate, look at, or touch, or hear Samaritans. So they would go over to the river and go around Samaria. Now, it says that Jesus had to go through Samaria on the way, verse 4. Um, eventually he came to a Samaritan village of Sukkar near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus tired from the long walk sat warily beside the well about noontime. So it says that he had to go through Samaria, but Jews didn't normally walk through Samaria. Like I said, they would normally go across over to the river, walk up and around Samaria. That was what they normally did. But Jesus says, I have to go through Samaria. It's not a physical reason that he has to go through. I believe Jesus had a spiritual reason that he felt he had to go through Samaria because he was going to encounter this woman and other Samaritans, which we'll look at next week because God wanted to 
harvest these people. God wanted to work in the lives of these people. So Jesus is walking and Jesus gets tired from the long walk because Jesus was fully God and fully man. So Jesus even got tired from walking, right? Can anybody relate to that? Like you get tired from walking. There's probably a few people in our church that like love to run. They're like, no, I never get tired of walking. I love it every morning. I run 20 miles. It's so good. And then they always like are telling you how you should try running and stuff too. Uh, I'm not that kind of person. I don't like to walk. Um, but that's because I get tired from a long walk. Jesus got tired from a long walk. I really relate to that. Um, and he sat warily beside the well about noontime, so he's resting. And um, so he's in Samaria. He's at a well, and then this woman comes to get water. Verse 7, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Why are you asking me for a drink? So let's talk about the Samaritans for a second. So the Samaritans um, were basically a Jewish cult. Um, they believe that you, instead of worshiping in Jerusalem, that you should um, worship on this other mount. They had their own temple. They didn't believe in any of the books of the prophets. They only believed in the Torah, and they had their own interpretation. They basically believed that they were believing the correct, true religion of Jehovah, and the Jews were misled. Now, the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other, and they both viewed each other as cults. So the Samaritans, though they were Jewish in blood and descent, actually became an ethno-religious group because over time they were separated from the Jews because the Jews hated them. And so they only um, married each other. And over time, the Samaritans were not just a religious group. They were a people group. You understand? They were an ethno-religious group. And so... When Jesus approaches this woman in Samaria and he talks to her, he's really breaking three sort of barriers. He's breaking a gender barrier. It probably was not common for a man to just approach a woman at a well like that. Um, A religious barrier. um, They did not have anything to do with each other because of religion. And an ethnic barrier. It had been enough time now where the Samaritans were viewed as a people group. So Jesus is crossing three barriers, that of gender, religion, and ethnicity, to talk to this woman. And she's surprised by it. She's like, why are you, what are you doing? Like, I'm a woman, and Jews hate Samaritans. Why are you asking me for a drink? Let's see Jesus' response. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you, that is powerful. If you only knew the gift God has for you. Point that verse out to the person you read this with. If you only knew the gift that God has for you. Everybody say that. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. She says, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. She's not getting it. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? 
And besides, don't you, or do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give uh, will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water that I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. She still isn't quite getting it, is she? Jesus says, if you only knew the gift I had for you, if you, know, if you only knew who you were talking to, you would be asking me for what I can give you. I think it really is that simple sometimes. People just don't know who Jesus is and what he really offers them. Like we think that people understand the gospel. We think they've heard it. But when you really talk to people, They don't actually quite get it. They don't really truly get who Jesus is. Now, some do, I'm sure. But I have found most of the time when I ask people, hey, so what do you think Christians believe? Like, what is it that we're all about? They will almost always give me the wrong answer. Like, they're, well, you guys just want to be good. And like, you guys believe in a God and you think Jesus was like pretty important. And you guys are, you know, you follow law so that you can be good and stuff. They don't quite get it. Share with people, like, if you only knew who Jesus was and the gift that he wants to give to you, if you only knew, right? So help them know, help them know who Jesus is, that it's not about earning God's love. It's not about working harder religiously so that you can impress God. It's that Jesus has a gift for them, right? What does this gift do? It does something inside the spirit, inside the soul that's for eternal life. But more than that, it's a fresh bubbling spring within them. Amen. A fresh bubbling spring within them. It's like LaCroix. You know, there's like carbonated springs. Did you know that? I've been to them. You can like drink it and it's like carbonated. It's the craziest thing. Um, in Australia, they have a bunch of them. We went around and we would drink from these different carbonated like springs. It's not carbonated the same way as soda, but it, it tastes like carbonated. It's crazy. It's like free LaCroix. So like there's all this LaCroix hating on Facebook like yesterday. Did you guys see it? Yeah. One of them was like LaCroix tastes like somebody's putting on lotion. <laughs> that was my favorite. <laughs> I totally disagree. I love LaCroix. Like, if you guys have ever been to my house, I probably handed you a LaCroix or said it's in the cooler. Grab one. Uh, So good. So I imagine it being a carbonated spring. You know, I like that, like a bubbling spring. That's why I chose to read from the NLT because it said bubbling spring. And I liked that. Uh, So he's talking about not having to thirst anymore and a transformation happening inside where something is now alive and springing forth. And it's interesting because she's like, Oh, give me this water. And Jesus response is strange. Verse 16, go and get your husband. Isn't that strange? Go and get your husband. 
Now, he's not saying this because he's a sexist and he's like, well, I can't give you the water unless your husband okays it. He's not saying, it's not why. Jesus, as he often does in conversations with people, goes straight to the root. Like he reads people, he knows their desires, he knows their problems, and he goes straight to the root of what they need to have addressed. And he goes there. He's like, you want to experience the living water? You want the the fresh spring bubbling up within you? Let's talk about your root issues. Let me heal that area. Let me work on that area and you'll experience it. So he says, go get your husband. Verse 17, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Like if you have one divorce, I can see how you're like, eh, it was the other person's fault, right? But if you've had five divorces, it's kind of hard to say like, it was the, all five of those guys' fault, <laughs> right? Are you with me? Like Jesus is clearly pointing out, hey, the issue wasn't with those guys. The issue is with you. You had an issue. You've been through five and now you're on your sixth guy. Um, you have an issue, now, we don't know exactly uh, what happened in each one of these marriages, but Jesus certainly did. And Jesus is addressing a root issue in this woman's heart. She had a need for fulfillment, a need for love that she was bouncing around looking for, and she was never satisfied. Jesus is saying to her, if you want the water that completely satisfies you, let's address your root issue here. Why are you bouncing around from guy to guy? Verse 19, sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerzim uh, where our ancestors worshiped? So she immediately recognizes, well, how, how could you possibly know that? You must be a prophet. But then the first thing she wants to address with this prophet who seems to have all the answers is why are we divided as Samaritans and Jews? Like, can you explain that to me? Why is there this divide? Jesus replies to her, verse 21, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Jesus does address the issue of Samaritans, and He says that they're the ones in the wrong. He's like, hey, you guys actually know very little about the one that you claim to worship. And salvation is coming from the Jews. He says, hey, no, like, I'm going to address the issue here that you're asking. The Samaritans are in the wrong. The Jews understand um, the scriptures better than you do. And salvation is coming from the Jews, not from the, from the Samaritans. So he addresses that. But then he goes, you know, that doesn't matter as much as what I'm about to tell you. What I'm trying to tell you about the living water. That those who are going to worship God in this new covenant must worship in spirit and truth. 
Jesus brings it back to this idea of the living water bubbling up from within us. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. So she responds to him and she goes, yeah, okay, well, well I know eventually the Messiah is coming and he'll, he'll, he'll resolve all this. He'll resolve all this. Because she's like still unsure about what Jesus is saying. So she's like, well, I'll just wait and hear it from the Messiah. Jesus replies, he says, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. So, in this dialogue, Jesus says that he has a gift for her, that it's living water, that you'll have eternal life, you'll never have to thirst again, it'll bubble up within you, and you will then be able to worship in spirit and truth. This is the message that Jesus is teaching to her. And more than that, he says, I'm the Messiah. I am the one who can make all of this happen. I am the Savior It is all possible through me. So she then goes to the village and she brings people to Jesus to to hear this message, to, to see if he really is the Messiah. And we'll look at that more closely next week. Jesus wants us to have that bubbling spring within us. John 7, a little bit later in this book, he says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus talked about this a lot. I've been just thinking about this. And, you know, I had this question and I, I I don't know that I have the answer if I'm being completely honest, but if Jesus said that if you drink of this water, you'll never be thirsty again. Why are so many Christians thirsty? Yes, I know this applies to eternal life. Everything will be perfect in eternal life. And certainly in in heaven, we will never thirst again. But if you read the text here, he's saying it'll flow from your heart. It'll be a spring bubbling up within you. Like that sounds to me, you can disagree if you want, but it sounds like there's some application for today, don't you think? Like how could we possibly be dry if there's a spring welling up within us? How could we possibly be dry and and dead and and, and tired and, and broken and feeling far from God when he says it's right there within your heart and it should be flowing out of you? I don't know that I have a perfect answer for that question. Maybe it's a question that each one of us need to ask ourselves and really allow Jesus to address some of those root issues that might still be there. Maybe it's an answer that's different for every person, right? Maybe there's something that you're still not letting Jesus address. 
Because as Jesus is talking about this, he didn't just want to talk about eternal life. He didn't just want to talk about the fresh water and the rivers flowing out of us. He also wanted to talk about our sin. He also wanted to talk about those issues that we um, have, those, those issues of bouncing around, looking for satisfaction wherever we can, those issues of thirst. Are you letting Jesus address those issues in your life? Like, what would be the five things that Jesus talks about in your life? You know, what would be the thing that he's like, yeah, here's the area you keep looking for satisfaction. Here's the area that you keep looking for fulfillment. If Jesus was talking to you right now, what area would he be pointing out? Are you willing to leave that thing? And truly just drink of the well of Jesus? Drink of the water, the living water, that if you do drink of it, you'll never thirst again. And more than that, it'll be pouring out of your heart like a river, like a spring. How many gallons of a minute, right? Like, There's a verse, Isaiah 12, it says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. I think if we really understood, if we really understood that gift that Jesus says he has for us, we would go and draw water from that. Amen? Revelations 22, it says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. It truly is a free gift. You know what's really, really cool here? Is it says the Spirit and the bride. Like God is saying this, And the church is saying this. Come, experience the living water. You see, people who experience the living water, people who then have this spring kind of welling up and overflowing out of their hearts, they want to invite people to come and experience it too. It's natural. We talked about... uh, Mary last week, who she was just so overtaken by Jesus' love and what he had done for her that she just, all she could do was just serve him and love him and follow him. And the early church even called her the apostle to the apostles because she was the one who was always encouraging them. Like there was this ministry that happened because of what she experienced in Jesus. This woman at the well, I think here we see her having the beginnings of this. And the first thing she's doing, she's going and telling others, drawing others to Jesus. She's like, hey, come and experience, come and see, come and drink so that you'll never have to thirst again. We live in a really thirsty world. People are thirsty. Like they are seeking love. They are seeking fulfillment. They're seeking satisfaction. They're seeking to experience something more than what's going on right now. And people go to all the wrong places, don't we? We've all gone to the wrong places for fulfillment and satisfaction, have we not? 
whether it's something that's directly sinful or something that becomes like a God thing in our life, right? Like we can sometimes seek fulfillment instead of from God. We can seek it from work or hobbies or even sometimes um, from relationships, which are not in and of themselves. Um, they're not necessarily bad things, but they become bad things when that becomes our place of satisfaction. It becomes our place where we only can feel fulfilled or are hoping to f- be fulfilled instead of in Jesus. And then, of course, like, um, it's why drugs and, and sex and alcohol um, have such lasting effects in people's lives, have such a long, um, people have such a long-term addiction to these things because they are seeking satisfaction. They are thirsty. Jesus says that if you're thirsty, whatever it is that you are seeking, you will find it in him. He has the living water. You know, it's almost something that we can be intoxicated with. Is something that we can get drunk on. Like the Bible, the Bible says that like when you are worshiping and, and there has this Holy Spirit and you people kind of acted drunk. Like in Acts 2, they're like, oh, that's a new wine. Like, whoa, what are you guys drinking over there? Like, or today we'd be like, what are you smoking? <laughs> right? Like, <clears throat> what are you smoking that's making you act like that? Because there should be something intoxicating about drinking from the well of life, of drinking of the living waters. Paul in Ephesians, he even said, he said, uh, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. He says there's something similar there. There's an intoxication that happens. So how do we get drunk on this? Like, <laughs> right? You could edit this sermon. Jesus wants you to be drunk and then make me sound really bad. Right? Jesus wants you to be intoxicated on the living water. Right? Like, <laughs> instead of doing keg stands, you've got living water overflowing, right? Well, Jesus told us, Worship. Worship. Because when you're seeking after these things for fulfillment, you know what you're really doing? You're worshiping it. That's what you're doing. You can worship alcohol. You can worship drugs. You can worship sex. You can worship somebody that you have a relationship with. You can worship your job. You can worship your hobbies. When this is your place of satisfaction, this is your place of fulfillment. It is your temple. Right? It's your religion. That thing becomes your God. Jesus says, you want to experience true living water? You really want to truly never thirst again? Worship in spirit and truth. The more we worship, the more that spring is bubbling up within us. What is worship, though? Is it just singing songs on Sunday? It's, it certainly is that, but it's more than that. Is it just reading Scripture reverently and giving um, it the respect it deserves and listening to what God would have? That's certainly a part of worship. But we can worship in every part of our lives when we start seeking Jesus for satisfaction, when we start seeking Jesus and what He gives us for fulfillment. When Jesus truly becomes the center of our life, He's truly the thing that we focus on for fulfillment and satisfaction. We are worshiping. And 
And when we're worshiping, you're not dry. Like, I was just thinking about it, I was like, it doesn't make sense for Christians to be dry. You know how often we talk about that? And I've been there. Like, I'm not saying, oh, how dare you guys be dry? Like, I've had dry spells, right? Where you're just not feeling it. But it doesn't actually make any sense if you read what Jesus is saying here. How could we possibly be dry if there's rivers flowing out of our heart? How could we possibly be dry? That doesn't, that, those are opposites. Water and dry, those two don't go together, do they? So worship the Lord in spirit and truth. Let Jesus address the sin in your life. Let's worship him in spirit and truth. Let's be intoxicated, even addicted to this water. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this scripture. Thank you so much for all that you're doing in our lives and in this church. Lord, we, we need your Holy Spirit right now. We need that living water bubbling up within us. I don't think there's anybody in this room who doesn't want that. Lord, they might be a little bit resistant to the idea of repentance in some of their uh, areas, Lord. But I don't think there's anybody in this room who wants to be dry. I don't think there's anybody in this room who wants to be far from you, who wants to feel separated from you, who wants to keep bouncing around from thing to thing that doesn't satisfy. I don't believe there's a single heart in this room who feels that way. It might be what they're doing at times, but it's not what they want, Lord. I know that those who truly see Jesus as this good and perfect gift want to experience you fully. They want that living water bubbling up within them. So Holy Spirit, come right now. Point right now to the thing that's holding us back, the, the root issue that we won't let go of. Point to each person's heart, even if there's just remnants of it. Lord, even if there's just a little bit, even if it's been mostly gone, but memories keep popping up or desire keeps popping up, uh, things in our heart keep coming back around and reminding us, Lord, I want you right now to remove all of it, Lord. To whatever extent it's there, remove our sin. Lord, remove the things that hold us back. Remove the lies from the enemy that tell us that those things will satisfy, that those things will fulfill us. Remove it all right now, Lord Jesus through your Holy Spirit. Lord, allow us in this moment to worship in spirit and truth. Oh man, that this is true, that you have a free gift for us. This is truth. And let us worship in spirit, Lord, so that there will be a bubbling spring, a fresh water, a river flowing out of us. And we would say, how could I possibly be dry again? There's something within me overflowing. I want every single person to experience that here today, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.